Teach us, O Lord, that what is given is given to be given again. Amen. So we've done some work around here uh, embedding the scripture in everything we do, which includes putting Bibles in your pew. So turn to the Bible in your pew towards the back, page 18 um, in the New Testament section. And I want to ask you to look at what the subhead is for uh, the particular parable that we have before us this morning. A rather troubling parable, if you ask me. Um, so you notice the subhead, and it is what? The parable of the wicked tenants. Now, in case you're wondering, I don't think those subheads were crafted by Jesus in his spare time, and I don't think that they were uh, the work of the writer of the gospel. Uh, an editor somewhere plugged them in, which is fine, but it also leaves me free to make up my own subhead. So if I was going to make up a subhead for this parable, uh, I might say, suggest the parable of clueless tenants, or maybe more to the point, the parable of the tenants. What were they thinking? What possessed them, vineyard workers, to think, get this, that if they failed to turn over profits to the owner, if they then abused the owner's emissaries who tried to come collect the pro profits, and then they killed the owner's son, that then the owner would give them the vineyard. What were they thinking? Now, we've heard a couple of them, but throughout the Bible, there are images of the vineyard. Uh, on the hand, it's beautiful. It suggests growth and fruitfulness. At the same time, as biblical stories of vineyards unfold, whether in the Psalms or in the prophecy of Isaiah or in the parables of Jesus or elsewhere, they do not always turn out so well. Uh, the Gospel of Matthew tells us that the scribes and the Pharisees suspected Jesus was talking about them when he told this parable, when he talked about clueless tenants. That is a caution uh, for clergy and for other folks who spend a lot of time around churches. It is easy for us to imagine that God is lucky to have us on the team, that God owes us the vineyard, maybe that the vineyard really should belong to us, it's easy to dismiss the amazing grace of God's gift to us in his son, to take it lightly, to take it for granted, to greet it with indifference. Years ago, I heard about a priest in an urban church who was approached by an irritated parishioner. The deal on this church was that they had opened the doors of the church to those who were without homes, so that especially in cold and hot weather, the place was filled and often filled with aroma. Uh, the par parishioner came to the preacher and said, I don't like all these people in my church. The preacher girded his loins and replied, ma'am, this is not your church. This is not my church. This is God's church. And while if asked, I would fine tune his comment to note that we are all members of the body of Christ. So in some sense, the church belongs to God and all of us together. I was impressed with the courageous bit of vineyard theology from this guy. Reading today's slightly harrowing gospel, how can we avoid being clueless tenants of what God has given us? 
My wife, who is also my spiritual advisor, reminds me that the word ego is really an acronym. It stands for edging God out. And that egocentric view is what got these clueless tenants in a lot of trouble. And we read this story in church. It was put in the Gospels. It's been passed down for centuries because it may be something that we do too, perhaps taking lightly the amazing grace of God with us in Jesus among so many gifts. Today's parable is a challenge, I think, because each one of us has been given a vineyard to care for. What's your vineyard? The vineyards in which we serve include this congregation in which we have a part, a ministry, a calling. Our families, our professions, our resources, our citizenship in the city, in the nation, our global citizenship can all be seen as vineyards. And I have to admit that the ways we are currently managing these vineyards might make future generations ask, what were they thinking? This really is a parable about stewardship. And that word often makes people grab for their wallet to think about money. And stewardship is certainly about the way we approach financial resources. Those resources are just one of the vineyards that we tend, but it is about so much more. Because as an expression of our discipleship, which is the thing we're focusing on this fall, it is about how we faithfully approach all of life, how we follow Jesus, how we, what we do with what we've been given. So it's about how we spend time and talent as, where, as well as treasure. Let's, let's focus in a little bit. It's about how we care for creation. It's about how we pastor our neighborhoods. It's, how about, it's about how we steward common life when racial divide and economic disparity and global violence, which we've seen this weekend, separate us. How we care for the next generation. How we care for the generation older than we are. Again, I wonder, even worry, will future generations look at how we cared for these things and say, what were they thinking? This par parable portrays vineyards kind of run amok and tenants gone a little crazy. So I was thinking this week, are there guidelines for good vineyard grooming, for faithful stewardship? Though I know absolutely nothing about horticulture or agriculture, let alone wine, let me suggest three best practice principles for vineyard care. The first, it seems to me, is to see ourselves on the receiving end of amazing grace to never let that go, to remember that all is gift. By grace, we have each been given vineyards in which to serve. In more churchy language, our prayer book tells us we are all ministers of the church. Each one of us has a vocation from God, and our vineyards are not all the same. So what does your vineyard look like? It may unfold in the workplace, in volunteer efforts in the community, a passion you hold for justice and peace, it may unfold in creative expressions of the beauty, beauty of beauty echoing the beauty of creation. It may be the household of God, the household that God has placed you in as you care for loved ones. It may unfold in this church or in healing efforts outside the church. I love how Frederick Beekner helped us think about vocation 
when he said that the place to which God calls us is the place where the world's deep hunger and our own deep gladness intersect. So where do you see that intersection in your life? How will we recognize our gifts? One of the ways the church helps is by identifying spiritual gifts. And by way of commercial announcement, you can still find a spiritual gifts inventory on our website to help you get clarity about what is the vineyard you're living in, you're serving in, that God is calling you uh, to work in. So we begin with the recognition that all is gift. That's the first thing. And that brings us to the second best practice principle for vineyard life. It is to respond to grace with gratitude, something that these clueless vineyard workers clearly missed. The great theologian Karl Burt framed it this way. Grace, I love this, grace always demands the answer of gratitude. Grace and gratitude belong together like heaven and earth. Grace evokes gratitude like the voice and echo. Grace follow, gratitude follows grace as thunder follows lightning. So our tradition offers practices to keep us on track in this best practice principle of vineyard keeping. Uh, perhaps we start practice by that by starting or ending each day with a list of things for which we are thankful. I've encouraged congregations in which I've served to list 10 things a day. And I thought that was awesome and noble and rigorous and ambitious until this friend of mine who's a rabbi of a large congregation in L.A. said she tells her congregation to list 100 things a day. So there. It occurred to me it's why grace at meals in whatever way you say that is so important, even and maybe especially when you're dining alone. We practice gratitude and worship as we praise God from whom all blessings flow, not some blessings, all blessings. And we practice that as we gather for Eucharist, which is a word that means thanksgiving. As the mystic Meister Eckhart said, the only word we need to say in prayer is thanks. There is freedom in this response to grace this attitude of gratitude, because it recognized that God is the one responsible for the health and growth in the vineyard. As St. Paul says to the Corinthian church when they were all in a snit about which leader to follow, God gives the growth. You are the church, you are God's field, you are God's building. Which brings me to the third best practice principle about being a steward of vineyards. As we recognize that all is grace, as we respond with gratitude, we are drawn into a life marked by generosity. Did you catch the 3G thing? Grace, gratitude, generosity. Our call, our ministry, our vocation, our vineyard tending is a matter of bringing that spirit of generosity to all that we do. Something the clueless tenants forgot. So I have a mentor, some known to people here visiting today, mentor Henry Parsley, who's the retired bishop of Alabama, and he's framed it this way. He said, what is given is given to be given again. We are meant to share. We are called as stewards to help things grow. And we find our vocation in generosity in the myriad ways that generosity can be expressed. The clueless tenants were intent on hoarding. They wouldn't let go of the produce. They held it tight. They thought it was theirs. Maybe we do that too. 
but it need not be so. The vineyard in which we find ourselves this morning, our lives, our vocations, our ministries, and especially this church in a time of transition, all of these are ready to grow with fruitfulness. Amazing grace. So, we don't have to be like those tenants. We can move from cluelessness to fruitfulness as we recognize that all is gift, that grace abounds. Grace most present in the merits and mediation of Jesus, as we heard in our collect. And with an eye on blessings, we can cultivate an attitude of, gra- cultivate an attitude of gratitude, prompting a generosity that will produce a bumper crop as we see that what is given is given to be given again. Grace leading to gratitude, leading to generosity, leading to growth. May it be so in this vineyard we call St. James. Amen.